step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey everyone, welcome back to Seeking Witchcraft. I'm your host, Ashley, and today I have on a return special guest, Catherine, owner of Quadrivium Supplies, a handmade ritual oil website. You may recognize her from the ritual oil episode that we did. Hello. <laughs> but to- Hello. Uh, but today's Catherine is going to talk to us about candle magic. So Catherine, thanks so much for coming back on again. Could you introduce yourself to listeners who may not be familiar with you? Sure. Uh, my name is Catherine and I live in Chicago. I have been practicing witchcraft and ritual magic for about 35 years. 12 years ago, I decided to open a ritual oil company and I opened Quidrivium Supplies, which is at ritualoils.net. And that's what I do. But because ritual oils are often used with candles, I also know a fair amount about candles, which is why I'm here today. Awesome. You know, before we started this episode, when Catherine and I were talking, we were going through what we wanted to discuss about candles and candle magic. And this topic came up of not realizing the things that as practitioners, we forgot we had to learn. And candles absolutely fall into this category. Oh, absolutely. Especially with issues. The biggest one for me was size, you know, of the candle. Because different candles are called the same thing, like a two-inch freestanding candle, votive. Four-inch candle fixed in a glass holder, votive. Seven-inch candle poured into a tall glass, votive. Six-inch freestanding candle, votive. It, um, you know, it all depends on who's making them and who's selling them and where you're buying them. And it is so confusing. I used to, you know, I would have a book that said something about, you know, get a votive candle. And I'd be at the store and I'm like, well, they're all votives. <laughs> How do I pick one? So yeah, I think yeah. it also depends too. the person that you're speaking to a votive to them might not be a votive to you. That is why I really recommend looking for candles by size not by name, because I know people talk about seven-day candles and 10-day candles and, you know, all that sort of thing. I really recommend for the candle that you're buying for ritual purposes, look for it by size, not by anything else. Go and check the boxes and see, you know, do they say they're two inch, six inch, whatever. Go by that. It's going to be a lot easier. Yeah. And, you know, so on this topic of just kind of like an introduction to candles, I guess we should go over some of the different types of candles people might hear about, because even though they all have different names and as we're talking about different sizes might not matter. (laughs) Right. I remember when I first started out, I did not know the difference between a chime candle or what some people call a spell candle or a tea light or a taper. That was all completely new to me. And then adding in the types of wax, I was like, that's a whole new ball game or whole new ball of wax. Yes, whole new ball of wax. Absolutely <laughs> right. So let's start with materials. I know that there are sources online that basically say, you know, you can't do magic unless it's, you know, 100% pure beeswax with an organic cotton wick and you have to get the beeswax from the bees living in your backyard. That is 
not what I believe, mostly because I don't have a backyard. <laughs> so I can't keep bees. But there's no one right material for a candle. You know, you might prefer a less industrial ingredient if you're somebody with a breathing or allergy issues. 100% beeswax, 100% soy, both good choices. Most commercial candles that you'd find like at the grocery store are made from paraffin. And that's a product of petroleum refining. The candles that advertise themselves as a soy blend and a beeswax blend, those are paraffin mixes for the most part. And there's gel wax candles that are made from like a mix of polymer and mineral oil, but that's not nearly as common as paraffin. So generally, those are the three things you're going to see. You're going to see beeswax, soy, and paraffin, and blends. Now, for those of us who get pedicures, you might recognize paraffin as paraffin wax, the type of wax that they will dip your feet in <laughs> right. if, you, if you get a fancy pedicure. Right. I don't recommend using that for a candle, but, <laughs> you know, it's, um, you know, it it's, can be, again, it can be really confusing because uh, just like with essential oils, you will have somebody say it's 100% pure, it's 100% natural. And, you know, pure and natural are marketing terms. They're not you know, there's no actual definition of them. So you do, you have to look at the candles and you have to see what they're made out of. But if you are in a non-candle store, it's probably paraffin. And they are going to be, generally, they're going to have a 100% cotton or a 100% cotton paper wick. And so commercial candle wicks are usually made from cotton, but some may have a zinc or a tin or a copper core. And uh, zinc and tin cores in particular can create a higher temperature flame and lead to really fast melting candle or a wick flare. So you're better off avoiding the metal core wicks. And, you know, that's actually probably fairly easy because you don't generally see those for sale in most stores. Yeah, I was going to say we should talk about the types of wicks really quick. I do want to go back and talk about the different types of candle wax. I will say I want to preface this by actually saying that regardless of what's around you, you know, use what use what is available to you. Yeah. Um, you don't need to go out and buy the most expensive candle harvested on the blood moon by somebody who has, you know, the bees in their, their backyard. But as somebody with experience this, of an experience that happened to me, I asked one of my students one time if they could bring over some candles uh, to put on a Yule log that we had, which is a really common thing that people do for Yule. And they went out and bought some really cheap candles from Walmart and said wax um, destroyed my wine bar and got all over the place. And to this day, it's still all over my wine bar. <laughs> so oh, man. there's two things with that. You know, we should have been paying more attention to the wax that was burning. That's completely on us. But also be aware of what's around you when you're burning. Be aware of the type of wax in the candle, because if it's the really, really cheap wax, you don't want to be like me on your hands and knees trying to get it off of your Ugh. furniture. It's not fun. I do not recommend it. Yes, that is absolutely right. And the other thing that you have to watch out for, and this is for the filled candles, which are when, you know, they come in their own holder, they're affixed to the holder. And so when people talk about seven day candles and nine day candles, they're usually talking about a pillar candle affixed to a glass holder. And one of the issues with those kinds of candles can be the placement of the wick. Because if you're dealing with a candle you got at the dollar store or at the grocery store or, you know, wherever, it can be one of those cheap candles that's filled with paraffin that has a wick of questionable 
origins. And sometimes the wick is not actually in the middle of the candle. Sometimes it's to the side. And if that's happening, you're going to get an uneven burn and your glass may crack. So that's something to look out for. So you actually have to look at the wick when you're buying the candle. Where is it, especially when you're talking about a pillar candle? I bought a pillar candle. Actually, it was like a set of six pillar candles off of Amazon a couple years ago. And I took them with me on a trip because we were going to do a ritual out in the woods. And I was like, oh, I have these brand new pillar candles. Like, I'll take these. These are perfect. So that way I didn't have to move the ones that I already had at home. Well, we get to where we're going. I unbox them. And what do you know? One of the pillar candles did not have a wick at all. It was just not there. I was (laughs) like, oh, well, thankfully we we had a backup. I brought a backup in case something happened. And it did. Something did happen. (laughs) But yeah, sometimes when you're buying candles from places like Amazon or the dollar store, make sure it has a wick. (laughs) Yeah. And make sure the wick is in the middle. And you you had wanted to talk about, you know, now that we're talking about seven to 10 day candles, you'd want to talk about the different kinds of candles. Yes. yes. So uh, there's tea lights, which are, they're usually made of unscented wax and they're about inch and a half wide and just over half an inch tall and they have a metal base and uh, technically they're filled candles because they're usually affixed to the tin and they're they're little and they're quick burning Um, and if you're doing magical work that requires you to let a candle burn until it gutters out tea lights are a great choice because it doesn't take forever and um so the bottom, though, can get very hot if you're burning it fully, so you need to put them on a safe surface, usually like on a plate. But even then, a tea light can take three hours to burn completely out. And then there's the next size up, generally, is votives. And votives, in candle terms, is about two inches tall and about one to two inch wide. And these candles should always be used with a holder, even if it's only a raised base. And they're probably the easiest candles to find. You can get them in packs. Hobby and craft shops tend to carry them for use in centerpieces. So same with the tea lights. Tea lights are generally pretty easy to find. They usually come in like a pack of 100. Yeah. They're they're so cheap. I have a pack that I got at Ikea. Actually, that's the really weird thing. Ikea has a ton of candles (laughs) in a ton of different colors. But yeah, the uh, the votives are probably the easiest to find. And then you get to pillar candles. And those are, you know, there's a lot of variety in pillar candles. There's They're like generally three to nine inches tall. So there's a pretty big spread there. And they're two or four inches at the base. And, you know, they can go all the way up to like 36 inches tall, like at a home decor store. But those aren't really meant to be burned. Those are decorative. These, uh, the candles are really versatile. And they're easy to find at places like Target, but you have to use a candle holder with them. You can't just, you know, set them on something and light them. I think the reason that a lot of people tend to use uh, pillar candles in magic is because there's so much room on the side to inscribe and anoint. And um, even a filled pillar candle has room for anointing or inscribing on the top. So I think that tends to be why... I think popularity goes votives first and then pillars. Would you agree with me on that one? I would. I really like using pillar candles for the four quarters of the room I'm in. If I'm casting a circle, like for the elements, for example, for two reasons. One, they're usually pretty big and sturdy and easy to see. And two, 
I don't need to replace them as often because they take a longer time to burn. However, as somebody who has done this, learned from my experience, I was going to say mistake, but yeah, experience, <laughs> mistake, same thing. Um, if you go to Michael's, Michael's is notoriously known for selling beautiful candle holders, especially for pillar candles. And they're these usually like really nice looking lanterns and all these different colors and all these different styles. If you put a pillar candle into one of those lanterns, just know, especially if you have two different size lanterns, which I had, and that was a mistake. If it's made out of metal, which it probably is and should be for the most part, it will affect how hot it gets in the environment around the candle and the candle will melt a lot faster than if it's just, you know, on a, on a candle plate or just like a regular plate burning in a corner. Um, I had two different style or two, two different size lanterns and the same size pillar candles. And one of my pillar candles melted down in like half the time that the other one did, which was a shame um, because then I had an uneven amount of candles and I bought them in a pack of whatever. And anyway, it doesn't matter, but <laughs> Keep that in mind that it will affect how or the the life of your candle. Right. And your burning time, which is something I'll go into later. Mm-hmm. And the next kind of candle that I'll talk about, they're generally called seven day candles and they're seven to 10 inches tall. And those are definitely fixed in a glass holder. And they're usually colored in a clear glass so that the candle color can be seen. And um, depending on where you live and where you shop, they might be devotional candles for a particular saint or a religious figure. The occult and new age shops, they tend to stock these candles because they're extremely versatile and they're very simple to use. You can inscribe the top, anoint it with oils and herbs, and the clear glass holder um, gives you plenty of space to write in tensions or incantations. And if the candle's devotional, it has the name or the picture of the saint or the god or the orisha is already there and the user doesn't need to bother with the outside. And some candles have a prayer on them, either to be recited by the user or used as a petition for the candle. And saint candles are ubiquitous around here. I can find them at Target. I can find them at Walgreens because I live in a neighborhood where they're used a lot. You know, Catholic folk magic is still very much alive. And there's also intention calendars like stay at home, which is, I guess, burnt to prevent a lover from wandering and cleansing and protection. And then there's usually like a money drawing one or a money stay with me. But I I see those in my local stores, which I think is really a little interesting that you just walk into a store and you can find a devotional candle to make your lover stay with you. Honestly, if, if you go to, I mean, at least where I live, and I, I live in a pretty major metropolitan area, but almost any gas station that you go to, I'm not, ta- well, I'm not talking about like the nice, the nice gas stations, like <laughs> I'm using that term loosely, like the fancy gas stations, you know, I'm talking about like the, it's, you know, they're really run down, haven't been updated and ever, you know, probably been owned by families for decades, those gas stations will almost always have a section that has these devotional candles in them, like without fail. 
I don't know why the gas stations have these, but they do. Well, so, if you have an emergency in the middle of the night and you yeah. need a St. Jude candle, you know where to go. Yeah. I mean, maybe don't light it in your car. That is a huge safety. Yeah. That's a huge <laughs> safety issue. Uh, but yeah, a lot of a lot of gas stations will have these candles. Um, if you go to a Botanica, they will have That's walls where the candles walls. live. <laughs> yeah. They will have walls and walls and walls of candles but also the floor washes i mean they'll have everything but these seven day candles that that is like their at least the ones near me that is like the biggest thing that they sell there it is pretty impressive yeah um it is in my area as well um but the thing about the seven day candles is that they do take a long time to burn i mean it takes like 50 to 60 hours to burn one of those down completely and if you're burning it continuously um, that glass gets really, really hot. <laughs> so um, if you're going to burn it for more than an hour, you need to put it on a plate or some kind of raised surface that's inflammable because the bottom of that candle is going to get really hot. And the issue with those candles is that they're often really cheaply made. We're talking paraffin with some unknown kind of wick. You know, if you're buying it at the dollar store, Target or somewhere like that, it's going to be a very cheaply made candle. And so you can know that ahead of time and hopefully head off any issues because these candles are really not what I would say is dependable. Like I think people see it and it's encased in glass and they say, okay, I can leave this somewhere and leave it burning. And because these candles tend to be cheaply made, you really can't. They possibly need even more attention than something like a pillar candle. Um, the glass can crack, the wick can tunnel. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of things that can happen with one of the very cheaply made candles. So it actually does need supervision. You cannot just put a glass encased candle down somewhere and say, okay, it's, you know, it's lit. It'll just burn itself down. You got to keep an eye on it. Yeah, please don't leave your candles unattended. No. Please, please. I mean, you know, I've been guilty of doing that, but only in the sense of like, I stepped out of the room to grab a glass of water. But even then, I shouldn't be doing that. I have two cats, you know, yeah. they, they are known to. I have a cat that um, yeah. went up to look at the candle and ended up frying the whiskers on one side of his face. I mean, yep. you know, cats are curious and dumb. They have a brain the size of a walnut, you know, ooh, shiny, I'm going to go sniff it. And animals of all sorts, you know, all it takes is a wick flare or a spark or something. And that can happen even with really expensive candles with really nice wicks. You know, that's, it's fire. <laughs> you gotta, you always got to keep an eye on fire. So for those who don't know, what is a wick flare? A what? A wick flare. Oh, sorry about that. Um, yes, a wick flare is when the candle has maybe a little pocket of air somewhere in it, and the wick suddenly gets a burst of oxygen, and the candle flares. Or the wick has been burning unevenly, sort of catches up with itself. The wick can flare. And, you know, it's just a sudden increase in, like, the height and heat of the flame. And all candles. That can happen with every single candle. So that's one of the reasons that we have to supervise them so closely. Now, do you think this could happen with candles that have wood wicks? Yes. 
Yes. Any, it doesn't really matter what kind of wick it is, because if there's an air pocket, it's the fire that's the issue, not necessarily the, the material for the wick. That's fair. Yeah, I I don't think I've ever actually used any wood wick candles in my practice. One, because they're expensive. And, and two, um, I just, I don't generally buy a lot of wood wick candles, actually. I think about it. I think they're very pretty and the crackling noise is nice, but then after a while it gets kind of annoying to me. So I've just never. Well, I honestly had never run across one in the wild and I was in home goods and, you know, they've got this enormous candle section. So I wandered down it and there's a bunch of candles with wood wicks. And I was like, I, it was talking about the comforting crackling noise. I'm thinking to myself, that would drive me crazy in about 10 minutes. <laughs> I don't want to hear crackling oh, noises yeah. from my candle. Like it's, it's nice in doses, but personally I find that it gets annoying just to hear my candle just yelling off in the distance. Yeah. Uh, my first, well, one, I, I should say my first big official retail job when I was in college and undergrad, I worked at a Bed Bath & Beyond and part of working at Bed Bath & Beyond at least back then, I don't know if they changed anything, but back then you had to take classes on all of the different sections in the store. So the knives, the bedding, the pillows, the bath. And as you may know, at least back then, Bed Bath & Beyond had a really big Yankee Candle section. Ugh. So Sorry. <laughs> Not I a fan. I love Yankee Candles. I'm a big fan of them, but I only love Yankee Candles from the outlet because I cannot afford to be buying full price Yankee candles. <laughs> well, the issue for me is that I have to smell things all the time because of right. the ritual oil stuff. So I am not much for scented anything. My shampoo is unscented. <laughs> My detergent is unscented. It's, you know, if you work with smells, sometimes you're like, all right, I really got to not smell anything for a little bit. <laughs> and that's completely fair. And I will completely admit, like, I, I can go nose blind very easily with scents like that, especially oh, with yeah. my laundry. I always use the scent beads and the nice smelling detergent, and I just, I don't smell it anymore. And my friends always ask me, like, what perfume am I wearing? Or, like, how do I smell so good? And I'm like, I don't it's know. My it's my laundry. Um, <laughs> anyway, I don't want to get too off track. That's okay. Have a ton of stuff um, so about, anyway, the, then the final kind of candle I was going to talk about was the taper. Which is, you know, it tapers from a point to a wider base. And the holy know, grail. No, yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, sometimes only the top is tapered and the cylinder of the candle is the same size all the way down. Uh, they're almost always freestanding and they have to be used with a candle holder. They can be anywhere from six inches to 18 inches, but there's also smaller and taller ones. Like technically a birthday candle is a taper candle. And if you are doing something where you need a candle that burns out fast, a Birthday candle is ideal. Technically, it is a taper candle. But also, these will take longer to burn than you think as well. Like a paraffin taper, because I'm just kind of going on assuming that most candles that people are working with, at least to begin with, are going to be paraffin. Because if you're first starting out, you're probably not going and buying specialty candles. A paraffin taper with like a one-inch base and a cotton wick, uh, it'll burn between 1.2 and 1.5 inches an hour. So if you have an 18-inch candle, it's going to take a really long time to burn. So that's kind of my rundown. I, you know, it's the whole thing with votives just makes me nuts. And companies listing things because there's no standardization for sizes or names. And knowing the names for different kinds of candles can be helpful when you're shopping, but different companies will market their candles according to size. 
and look for the measurements and for the indication that the candle is freestanding or filled rather than the name of the candle. And I really think that people should shop for candles according to what they're using them to do and not what they're called. And I don't think candles have to be expensive. They don't have to come from uh, certain stores and they just need to be clean burning and well cared for so that they can do their magical work. A lot of beginner candle kits or spell kits that you can find online, especially Amazon or Etsy, will have what's called chime candles, which are essentially little tiny taper candles in their own sense. But they require their own holder for them because they are so small. I want to say the base is like the size of a dime. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I've seen them. And the reason, you know, the reason why they're called chime candles? Because they look like wind chimes? No. Actually, <laughs> I just had to guess. Back when dinosaurs roamed the earth and I was a little kid, uh, my mother had a set of chimes, and you would light the candle underneath it. Would, there was a little holder in the bottom, and you would light the candle underneath the chimes. And somehow, through some, I don't know, alchemical process, the heat would make the chimes ring. Oh, that's so wholesome. That's kind of like tea lights. The reason they're called tea lights is because they were put in the holder that you put a teapot on to keep your tea warm. I have one of those and I use it still to this day and I love They're I love delightful. It. Yeah. They, I don't have one, but my grandmother did. They're super cute. They are. When you are doing candle magic, you have to prepare your candle. And I don't mean the oil or the herbs or the incantations. I mean, actually, physically prepare your candle. You should always trim your wick, always. Even if it's not the first time you're burning it, even if you snuffed it out last night, always trim your wick to about a quarter of an inch. And then the first time you burn your candle, you have to burn it long enough to liquefy all the wax on top of the candle, which takes about an inch for each, uh, sorry, <laughs> takes about an hour for each inch of diameter. You should snuff candles, never blow them out. Um, because if you're blowing it out, you're blasting a lit candle with a stream of air. <laughs> and we all know what happens when you hit hot wax with a stream of air. The hot wax goes everywhere. <laughs> And then you have to work on getting wax out of your carpet and off of your wall and out of your clothes. Oh, God. And we'll, we'll talk about that coming up. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. Yeah, that's super <laughs> fun. Um, and you really shouldn't burn candles for more than about four hours at a time. If your candle is more than four inches in diameter, you should pick a different candle because that one is for decoration. It's not really meant to be burned. And that is just where I'm coming from in terms of my beliefs about candle safety. I'm sure there are people who have burned candles that were eight inches in diameter and had no problems whatsoever and good for them. But I tend to err on the side of caution because I'm a mom. <laughs> even, even if my kids are, you know, too old to really care about this. But I think that you should only burn candles for about four hours. And then when I know that a lot of spell work says burn your candle until it gutters but other than tea lights you shouldn't really do that you should stop when there's about a half an inch of wax left because if you burn down any further the container or whatever else may get so hot that it damages the surface oh my god and psa about tea lights if you let them burn down to where they're about to go out 
make sure you let it cool down before you pick it up because Ooh. that little tiny tin around it doesn't look yeah. like it's going to be a big deal. And that, that shit gets so hot, <laughs> so hot, so fast. And you don't want to pick it up and it's like just all liquefied wax inside and then you drop it because it's hotter than you thought it'd be. Or then like, you, you it sounds like you're talking and, about this from experience. You know, I, <laughs> going back to those things of like things that we know as pra- practitioners that we forget we had to learn. And sometimes oh, God, you, yeah. you learn the hard way. With burned um, fingertips. You know, that I think it's just part of being in the craft is burning yourself through a candle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when we're talking about candle safety, one of the other things we have to talk about is when you are setting up your ritual space and you are setting up your altar, watch where you put your candles. Candles should be well away from any wall and they should not be in a place that you are reaching over when you are doing your ritual. I may or may not have set the sleeve of a ceremonial robe on fire during a public ritual. I will make no comment <laughs> about whether or not that ever happened. Thank God it was before the internet. Oh but my yeah, gosh. That, yeah. Yes. And make sure if you are wearing long sleeves, regardless of the type of candle that you may have on your altar, be very, very, very vigilant of your sleeves if you have them. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an important thing. And also where your candle is on your altar. Is it right next to something that's flammable? Maybe it shouldn't be. You know, candle flames can act in all sorts of ways, both mundane and magical. And it's generally a good idea to have it at least six inches away from any wall or anything that might catch on fire, just in general. Just a rule of thumb that I like to use. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to keep talking about some candle care. We're going to also talk about things like coating candles and herbs and oil and how to use candles for magic. So stay tuned. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. 
LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. And welcome back. Hello. Hello. Uh, so going back to our candle care conversation, we did touch upon this earlier, but we should probably talk about how to dispose and clean up a wax. <laughs> Yeah, that is, that's another thing that, you know, you just kind of goes along with magical practice. It really depends on where you've spilled it and, you know, how much access and also what kind of candle it was. Because if something is a soy wax or something is paraffin, they're both oil, but they're, you know, they have a different kind of a profile. If you have spilled candle wax on your carpet, you should probably, and I don't know, you probably have your way of doing it. I probably have my way of doing it. But it, there's a whole list of stuff you need. You need like an ice pack or a bag with ice in it, some kind of a scraper. I've used a knife, a paper bag, and a clean towel, and a warm iron. <laughs> and I usually use also like a waiter, a color-safe cloth. And you freeze the wax you scrape up as much as you can. You cover the candle wax stain with a paper bag or a clean towel. And then you should have another clean towel right next to the stains. So when you shift the bag or the towel around, you're not moving the stain too. And then you turn your iron on, on low heat with no steam. Because what you're doing is you're absorbing the spilled candle wax into your paper bag or whatever else you're using. But you have to be careful because heat and steam can ruin your carpet. <laughs> so you have to use a really low temperature. And you move the iron real slowly and you turn the paper bag as it becomes saturated with wax and it absorbs the wax as it heats up. And then you kind of hope that it took everything up. And if it didn't, you know, you can use a carpet tra- treatment that's for oil. You hope you got up all the wax, but the stain might still be there. Yeah. That's really something. <laughs> yeah, I have spilled wax on my carpet. Um, I've also, this might not be the best advice or, and I don't know, I'm going to mention it. I have noticed, so when I first moved to my apartment, I rent and I spilled wax all over my carpet at one point. I got as much of it up as I could, but there were still little bits of wax here and there uh, just stuck in the carpet. I just could not get up. And You know, this might sound gross, but it is just it is what it is. Over the three years that I've been in my apartment, that wax has slowly dwindled down. And I think the reasoning for that is a mixture of one it's actually right by a window. So the sunlight heats up the room and two people just after a while, when you walk over wax, it it disintegrates. It just kind of goes away. Falls apart. Falls apart. But it's, you know, it's tough and really unpleasant, you know, and you can also get it on your clothes which sucks. <laughs> and that's another, you know, you scrape up the excess wax and then you heat it up and absorb it into something. Um, I've done it with a hairdryer as well as an iron. So that is one that if you don't have an iron, you can use a hairdryer. But the idea is to get as much wax off the surface of whatever it is, whether it's clothing, whether it's furniture, carpet, The idea is you get as much wax up as possible, and then what you're left with is like an oily stain that you can then treat the way you would 
any kind of stain. You know, if you spilled olive oil on your carpet or your clothes or whatever, then you could treat that stain. But yeah, that's that's generally the way to do it is you're heating, you're scraping it up, then you're heating it up and absorbing the wax into something else, whether it's a towel or a paper bag. Yeah, same, same here. Same concept of how I'll do it too. Or, you know, just be sky clad and hopefully you don't burn yourself. I guess that's that's one way of avoiding burning your clothes. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about one additional thing. And I'm sure you'll have something to mention with this too. fire safety. Use common sense, guys. Know where your fire extinguishers are. Know that sometimes you can't throw water onto things that have oil. And if you have a coated candle, have some baking soda nearby. Absolutely. And the other thing to remember is that, and I I see this a lot online, and I don't know if people are actually burning these candles, but I see people, I guess, anointing the candle with oil. And by anointing, I mean pouring the entire bottle of oil over the candle. You don't need that much. Then crushing up herbs and sprinkling it all over. And all of that is flammable. Oil is flammable. Herbs are flammable. Um, you know, when you are anointing your candle, you do not need that much oil. Uh, when you are putting herbs on your candle, you do not need that much herbs because more herbs or more oil doesn't mean more powerful because you're working with the concept. So you're linking, you know, that herb with whatever feeling or, uh, idea that you're linking it with. And adding more herbs doesn't make it more linked. It just makes it, well, more difficult to clean up. And you're putting yourself at risk of actually setting something on fire. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like if you are going to anoint your can with oil, that's totally fine. You don't need to dump the whole bottle on it. Just like if you are going to bed and you want to put a facial oil on your face, you don't need to use the entire bottle of oil. You just need a little little dab and that will go a long way. And I'm and- working against my own interests here because I own an oil <laughs> company. But, you know, it's that is something that I am always saying to people. Use less. Use less. Just like with the candles. You know, if you are having trouble with your candle tunneling, which is when the um, wick ends up you know, there's a big rim of unmelted wax and the wick ends up way down in a tunnel. That's because you used a candle that was too big and you couldn't wait for the entire top to liquefy every time you used it. My belief is that use the smallest candle (laughs) that you have access to. You know, if you are doing magic, you don't, I know that the big pillar candles are aesthetically pleasing, but you don't have to use a big pillar candle. You can use smaller ones too. And then you're, because a lot of spells say, you know, burn the candle until it goes out. You're going to have a much easier time with a tea light than you are with a pillar candle, because I don't know about you, but I don't have eight or nine hours to sit around and watch a candle burn. And if it's burning one inch, or excuse me, yeah, if it's burning one inch for each inch of diameter and you have this giant candle, you're going to be there a while. I will also say this until I am blue in the face. I think I've said this on like almost half my episodes. Maybe not half. I'm pretty certain that we talked about it on your previous episode, though, Catherine. If you have a an herb that you're putting on your candle or any type of anything that you're putting on your candle, if you are putting cinnamon, it will spark. Keep that in mind for the love of God. Be careful with that. Yeah. Please, 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 please. 
Yeah, something that I've also seen people do is light the candle and then sprinkle herbs on it. And that's not safe. You know, just from, you know, all magical practice aside, that's not safe. You can set stuff on fire. Um, Magic is not going to protect you from something like that happening. So you also need to use your mundane common sense. Because you're dealing with fire. And uh, we wouldn't use it in magic if it weren't powerful. You need to have a very safe setup if you're going to do something like that. Like either you're doing something outside or you have a very big cauldron that you're using something or like a fire safe protector on something. Um, It is possible to do that. But if you were doing this in your bedroom with nothing really protecting you and you have a flammable altar cloth underneath your candle, that might not be the best idea. It, it is not a great idea. And um, you know what? I jumped ahead. I wanted to go back and talk about the wick. You had asked me about the wick, and I mentioned the whole wick flare thing briefly. But wicks can act weird. <laughs> you know, it's not just the um, flare. Because uh, if you don't necessarily trim your wick, uh, the wick controls how hot and how fast the candle burns. And so if you leave your wick too long, not just the first time, but any time you burn it, it develops carbon buildup and you'll have soot buildup in a filled candle and the wick can mushroom and flare up or fall over and extinguish itself. And if you get carbon buildup on your wick, it can cause one side of the wick to burn hotter than the other. The wax melts unevenly. If you cut, if it's too short, it's just going to burn itself out immediately. So, you know, these are, you do have to take care of the wick when you're using candles. This actually, uh, going back to some other things we talked about before, I wanted to mention too, if you have a ceiling fan going in your room when you have a candle burning, it's going to burn the candle down faster. Yeah. Yeah. Any, anything, if you're putting the candle in an enclosed space, that's going to make it burn faster. Anywhere where heat is allowed to build up around it, that's going to melt it faster. So like you were saying with a lantern, that's going to, you know, it's going to burn out a lot faster and you have to take that into account. And, um, you know, that's just something to consider, you know, and I see a lot of people interpreting the way a candle burns as, you know, saying, well, it burned down further on this side than it did on the other. The wick looks like this, or it extinguished itself and assigning a magical reason to it. But when you're dealing with candles, the first thing you have to look for is a mundane reason that the candle is behaving that way. Did you not trim the wick? Did you trim the wick too low? Is there a ceiling fan? Is the wick more towards one side than the other? You know, you have to, you know, if the if the candle burns unevenly, even if you can't feel a draft, there might still be a draft that's affecting the candle. So that's another thing to remember is that candles are finicky. (laughs) And even though you don't realize something mundane is affecting the candle, that may be the reason why it's behaving the way it's uh, behaving. It's honestly pretty incredible the amount of candle care knowledge that most people don't normally have, you know, when they start using candles. Uh, And I'm not saying that as a dig by any means. I'm saying that in the sense of 
most people, you know, you see your parents lighting a candle, you see your friends lighting a candle, you don't really think about it. Your first experience is probably a birthday candle. And that's right. blown out immediately. And as you probably know, there's probably been wax on your birthday cake because I know there's been wax right. of mine from doing because that. Because you blew them. Yeah, because you yeah. blew them out. Uh, and, and you know, I find that the deeper I got into the craft and really started getting more serious with lighting candles. Wow, that sounds like a whole sentence right there, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> got real serious with lighting my candles. Um, you realize there, there's a lot that actually goes into it that you wouldn't have really had a second thought about. Prior to yeah, this. you don't you don't think about the fact of you know you, if your wick is not coated in wax, it will burn differently the first time you light it, or you know you the flame is too high because the wick is too big for the candle, uh, you know because the candle's spluttering and there may be something in the wick, or it's an air pocket, you know, or your candle's burning too fast due to the wick flare, you know, all of these things can affect the way that your candle burns. And I know the topic is candle magic, but honestly, just talking about how to use a candle and what to do with a candle could take up hours of discussion. I'm going to say it probably wouldn't be very interesting to most people, but, you know, there is so much information on candles and on how to use candles correctly that I really think people beginning in the craft, if they think they're going to be interested in candle magic, and let's face it, most people are, um, that you should learn about candles, learn about the common problems, learn about tunneling and how to prevent it, learn about what goes into a candle and what your best options are for wicks and for wax, and learn about candle safety and don't be sort of blasé about it. And, you know, these are things I feel that people beginning in the craft really should think about in a very deliberate way before they start working with candle magic. You know, the first time I saw a pair of wick cutting scissors, I thought that that was a waste of time. Um, But then when I had to take my class on candles when I worked at Bath & Beyond, I learned very quickly that, no, there is actually something to this. And... I was like, oh, I thought that was just another money-making scheme. That said, you don't necessarily need those candles uh, or those. I use of... I use my kitchen shears. Yeah, <laughs> just you, cut you them can down. You know, you can probably get away with some scissors. That said, if if your wicks way down, uh, if you have like a gigantic candle, you might want to just buy some wick scissors. But um, but yeah, anything else you want to talk about with candle safety and introduction before we move to the magic part? You know, not really. We've used up a lot of time talking about candle safety. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope if anybody's made it this far, which I, I'd imagine, I hope so. Uh, I will say, I hope this has not been boring. And I hope that people have learned something from this because there is really so much that goes into candle safety and candle care. Yep. And it is important. It is very important. And again, if this is something that sounds like, oh, I already know this, I already know that, like tell your friends about it. Tell your fellow practitioners. I, I can guarantee you that you can give a candle fact to one of your friends that has never heard about any, at least one thing that we talked about today. Yeah, I mentioned that to you, that I was talking about candle tunneling and how to avoid it to a friend of mine who I've known for 25 years. And she said, oh my God, you've changed my life. So <laughs> maybe you can change somebody's life with a uh, with a candle fact. And if you go and look at your candles and see they all have little mushroom wicks, you know why. Yep, you do. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about candle magic with the remaining time that we have left. Okay. So candles obviously can represent the element of fire, 
Uh, however, if you do not have, uh, a, if you can't use candles, there are definitely alternatives. Uh, Catherine was actually giving a really good example about this earlier. I don't know if you want to talk about with the, the oxygen. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a fan of LED candles because you're working with the element of fire and turning a light on is generally not considered an element of fire. But if you have somebody in your house who is using oxygen or if you have an extenuating circumstance, by all means, use an LED candle. I mean, that's just if you are in a place like a college dorm where an open flame is absolutely forbidden, or at least it was when I was in college, um, you can use an LED candle. But if you at all use an actual candle, use it. I wonder if you can get a religious exemption for using candles in your dorm. I, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to guess no because of the sensitivity of the fire alarms. Probably, yeah. 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 Uh, all right. So candle magic. So there are a bunch of different ways to use candles in your magic. And I'm not just talking about having two or three or four or however many pretty lights on your altar. I'm talking about actually using the candle in different forms of magic. So one thing that you can do is you could carve a sigil onto your candle. Um, I've talked about sigils before in the past. They're kind of hard to show. Well, you can't really show anything on a podcast, but they are pretty much symbols that you make out of a statement or a word or something that you want to manifest or come into fruition in your life. And you can carve that on the candle and voila, you have a spell candle. Yep. You could do other things too, like writing your spell on the bottom of a candle um, and letting it burn down. You could do things like, and also if you do that, please be careful with fire safety again. (laughs) Um, You can anoint your candles with different herbs or oils, as we talked a little bit about earlier, but using the herbs and oils that are associated with whatever outcome that you were looking for. Um, using different colored candles too can be beneficial in your practice. If you don't have colored candles, a white candle is generally acceptable for whatever. Um, I say that while I'm kind of laughing because it makes me think of like the whole, oh, you can use rosemary for anything, but and that's not true. But right. at, at least my opinion of that's not true. And if this is the first time you're hearing about that, I have an episode with Tom, who now goes by TJ, called Is Intention Really Everything? And I recommend listening to that episode because it has a very good explanation of why rosemary is not a neutral herb for anything you want. <laughs> but uh, white is generally acceptable for you to use for anything. But yes, colors are also great. Catherine talked about the table correspondences. In the episode we did, the ritual oils, I don't know if you want to talk anything about that with the color candles. Well, you know, different colors represent different things. And if you want to go back and listen to the ritual oil podcast, I go on and on about tables of correspondence because I think they're really cool. Basically, a table of correspondence is a link between planes of existence, like the mundane and the divine. So you end up with things like green represents money. So things that are happening here affect the larger world. So you can get tables of correspondence in a whole bunch of places. Interestingly, many of them will be the same and you can decide what you want to do. You might use a red or a pink candle for love, a green one for money, yellow one for protection. You know, it, it goes on and on with, you know, light purple and dark purple and light green and dark green. And you can figure out what you want to use and which, you know, maybe which deity you're appealing to, what's their favorite color. 
And so you can do all sorts of things with colors of candles. Yeah. And one thing that we talked about is that these colors aren't always associated with green as money because the dollar looks green, but it could do with the planets that that's associated with. And also in a lot of places, that's not America. Green is not necessarily money. Exactly. But, you know, green is related to the planet that controls, that represents abundance. And so over time, the planet has sort of dropped out of the table. And so now you have green means money and pink means love. Well, at one time it was the color pink was associated with the planet Venus. The emotion of love was also associated with the planet Venus. Venus drops out of the table and then you just have pink means love. And that is up to the practitioner whether or not they want to use that. Tables of correspondence are intensely personal things. Yes. And as mentioned in the ritual oil episode, so if you've listened to this, sorry if you're hearing a repeat about this, but if you haven't, it's very important to, yes, you know, look at the table correspondence, see what it says, see the planetary associations, but ask yourself using that example of pink means love. For yourself, do you see pink associated with love? Maybe pink for you is aggression. Maybe pink for you invokes some sort of sadness. Maybe thinks of, you know, think of something that you don't really want to be thinking of. And coming up with colors that mean something to you is very important to your magic and obviously would go into candle magic. So if you have a color and I don't know, purple means love to you, then use a purple candle if you're trying to do some sort of love spell. Be careful if you're doing a love spell. That's a whole different topic right there. Yeah, we're not getting into that. We're not going to get into that. But I'm just going to teach people about how to light a candle correctly. You didn't invite me on to talk about love spells. <laughs> but yeah, that's something you know that you have to do as a magical practitioner is you have to look at how you are linking things and decide whether or not it works for you because not all things are going to work for all people and the person doing the magic is you it's not somebody else so it's going to really depend on your not just your belief system but your emotional reaction to sense your emotional reaction to colors and it can be really uncomfortable to work and i speak from experience to work on your personal table of correspondence and sit down and say how does this make me feel what does this represent to me? But it's really important to do, especially if you're going to be doing candle magic, because color ends up being so important in candle magic. The color of your candle can represent all sorts of things to you. And if it represents the wrong emotion in you, if it brings up something that that spell or that work is doesn't have anything to do with, well, that's going to be a real conflict, so definitely think about, yeah, it's, it's going to sound ridiculous, but think about colors and think about what different colors make you feel and, you know, write it down, work on your own table of correspondence, figure these things out as you are learning to practice witchcraft. Yes. And keep in mind that when you are using candles and candle magic, you don't have to use tapers or pillars. You can use birthday candles. You can use tea lights. You can use little tiny candles that you make yourself. Oh, there was one thing I was going to say. When I was first practicing magic, I thought that when you wrote onto a candle, you had to do it with your ritual knife, which resulted for me in sliced fingers and very, you know, unreadable words. And Somebody said to me, why don't you use something else? And I said, well, I have to use a blessed tool. And she said, well, then why don't you consecrate something else? I was like, oh, I can do that, can't I? So I currently have a consecrated darning needle 
that I use to etch candles with. So that's one of the other things is you have to decide what tool you're going to use on the candle for magical work. And normally I would recommend something that's small and really sharp. Um, a darning needle is long and pointy and has four sides and is big enough to really grip onto. But you can always use a skewer. You can use whatever you like, but I don't recommend a knife. I've definitely used a kebab stick before. <laughs> yeah. I will say as we're wrapping up this episode that the other things I want to mention about this is that with candle magic, you can also use them to speak with deities or represent deities. You can have a particular candle that you use to speak to a spirit or even an ancestor that you are communicating with. You can also, hopefully you're following the candle care for this, but look at the wick. See what happens with the wick. Make sure to look at the mundane reasons and make sure that all outside factors are not influencing your wick, but see how it dances, moves to one side, gets bigger, gets smaller. That's absolutely a thing in witchcraft. All we're saying is that be mindful if your candle wick is going crazy, if you think that's a spirit talking to you, but then you look up and realize your ceiling fan's on. <laughs> Speaking from experience again? <laughs> no, that one, that one, I, I knew a little better then. Okay. <laughs> that well, one I'm good. not speaking from experience from, but all right. Well, Catherine, we're getting to the end of the episode. Is there any final thoughts you have on candles? You know, not really. Uh, I am a big fan of candle magic. I think it's great. It's probably the primary form of magic that I use. I think it's simple enough to be accessible to everybody, but you can make it super complicated if you want. Um, and I have ended up learning a lot about candles and I, as always, will talk somebody's ear off about them. Well, speaking of that, if people do want to get in contact with you and find out more about you, your practice, your candles, your oils, especially, how can they find you? You can find me online at my website is ritualoils.net. I am on Instagram as Quadrivium Supplies. I am also on TikTok as Quadrivium Supplies. And you can reach out to me at Catherine which is spelled with a C at ritualoils.net. Perfect. And if anybody wants to find me, you can look up Seeking Witchcraft podcast on Facebook. I have a Facebook group called Witches Seeking Witchcraft. I also have a Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Seeking Witchcraft if you want to support the show. I'm on Instagram at Seeking Witchcraft and Twitter at Seek Witchcraft. And that's about it for today. Thank you again so much, Catherine, for coming on for two episodes. It's so exciting. We it was my talked, pleasure. What I feel like we could have kept talking about so many a things. A couple of hours. <laughs> a couple of hours. So, so many things in the topic of candles and oils and just magic in general. Uh, but as always, I love having you on and I love your input. And I really appreciate you coming back to talk with us. Absolutely. Today. It was my pleasure, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me on. No problem. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Bye. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. 
LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. 